My name's Chris, one of the pastors here. So good to see you. It's exciting to be in the room together and to worship King Jesus. I want to ask you, open up your Bibles uh, or have your Bibles out this morning. We're going to be uh, looking at a couple different texts. Now this morning, um, we're going to be grabbing our Bibles and we're going to be asking God, Lord, what have you had? What do you have to say to us about what this thing, uh, the church is called to be? How are we called to love one another? What does it look like for us to live in relationship with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ? And so maybe if you're new or you're visiting, let me just let you kind of know where we're at. Uh, For the last three weeks, we've been looking at our core values as a church. And uh, we're doing that because in the fall, every fall, uh, there's a wave of new people that check out City Light. Additionally, we as a church just want to remind and refresh the very things that this church is passionate about, the things that we believe, and the things that, we, that really begin to shape our values and the way that we do things around here at City Light. So that's what we're doing today. Uh, we're going to be in week four of our core value series, and we're going to be looking at what does it look like for us to live as a spiritual family or a redeemed community. So that's where we're going this morning. Now, additionally, um, if you guys have been around City Light a while, you guys know our our typical rhythm is we just kind of preach about eight to 10 verses in the Bible. We go verse by verse, chapter by chapter. But during our core value series, uh, because we're trying to talk about community and not everything is said in just one section, we're going to jump around a little bit. And so we give ourselves permission to do that only during our core value series. So um, we just want to let you guys a little heads up on that. Now, um, let me give a little recap of our core value series. So maybe today's new and I want to catch you up on where we're at. Um, We have four core values at City Light Church, and uh, they begin to shape what we do. So the first one uh, is down. Each core value has a directional arrow assigned to it. So the first one is down. This is the the gospel. This is the idea that God came down. Jesus came down from heaven to seek and save sinners. He didn't say, hey, listen, all of you guys are broken. Why don't you work your way up from earth to heaven based on your own morality or your own spiritual performance. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus did for us what we can never do for ourselves. He lived the perfect life on our behalf. He died the death that we deserve, and he rose from the grave so we have the hope of eternal life. That is the good news of the gospel. Now, everything else in our Christianity or our Christianity is in response to what Christ primarily has done for us. And the first response is up, which means we actually uh, begin to be formed in Christ. It's called spiritual formation. Uh, We begin to fight sin. We begin to pursue Jesus. It's an amazing thing that God does. He starts to reorient our affections uh, towards himself. We start to look like Jesus, love like Jesus. Amen. It's a good news that he makes you a new creation in Christ Jesus. The next core value is in, which is this idea of family, which we're going to talk about. Church, um, one of the ways that we say this is we are not a place with programs. We are a people with a purpose. Um, We're not just a community with some religious events. We become one redeemed family, which means for me and you, yes, you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but it also means that you're a part of this bigger thing called the body of Christ. So I'm going to talk about that today. The final one, which Gavin talked about last week, is mission, which is this out arrow It's the great commission that Jesus left us with this command to go and make disciples of all nations. And it's great news because that means we get invited to his uh, internal purposes uh, and his redemptive work in the lives of other people. So this morning, here's what I want to accomplish. I want to let you guys know, as I talk about family, um, I'm not just going to try to give you guys a theology lesson. Um, What I want to do uh, is let you guys know that this is personal to me. Um, Have any of you guys experienced the family of God in a really unique way that built up your faith? Um, maybe I'm the only one. Okay, so only six of you guys have had a significant experience with the family of God. Wow, we are really failing, Gavin. We really uh, shut this thing down. So, um, but 
uh, for me this year was an amazing year. My wife, uh, uh, it was her birthday this weekend, and so uh, we went out for a, a dinner, and we just had time to talk about God's grace in our year. And one of the things we talked about is um, this was the year that uh, our third child, Jude, Louis Horusco, was born. If you guys know, he was born premature. If you guys know, leading up to his delivery, my wife was on bed rest for two months at Methodist Hospital. And if you know, uh, those kind of seasons can be chaotic and hard and uh, challenging. And one of the gifts that we were reflecting on is the people of God. Uh, the meal trains mattered. The visits in the hospital mattered. Those that went to, the, to see Kristen and prayed with her and brought her flowers, that mattered. Those that went there and from this very church and, and pushed her around in her little wheelchair, okay, that, that mattered. Um, we felt the love of God in a tangible way through this family. Amen? And, and what a gift it is um, to be surrounded by the people of God. To have people saying, I want to suffer with you. I want to bear with you. I want to persevere with you. I want to walk with you. I want to encourage you. It's an amazing gift. And so um, what I want to do this morning is give a really high-level view of what biblical community looks like. Um, I want to just walk us through some scriptures that I think should shape and form the way that we view the people of God and what we're a part of. And then in our core values series, like we, we typically do, we're going to pause and say there's not just applications for the individual, but how do we flush this thing out as a corporate church family, okay? So that's where we're going. Uh, the first thing I want to do is let you guys know we have three points today um, that are going to talk about this high level of biblical community. The first one is that uh, God creates and redeems community. God creates and he redeems community. The very first community we see in the Bible doesn't happen in the book of Acts, with the early church in Acts chapter 2. That's not the first picture of community. Then you, you might think, oh, maybe it's the disciples, the 12 disciples. That's the first community with Jesus. And then maybe you say, no, 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 let me go all the way back to the Old Testament. Maybe the first community is the Israelites. God delivered them and God spoke to them. And he said, these are my people. Well, actually the very first community we find in scripture is a picture of our communal God. We as Christians believe that we have one God that exists in three persons. It's called the Trinity. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God that is um, existing in community with himself. And we believe this because we love our Bible. So in Genesis chapter 1, if you uh, read verse 26, here's what it says. I think we have it on the screen. It says this. God said, let us make man in our image uh, after our likeness. Now, I went to Wayne State College. But I know the difference between singular and plural. Amen? He could have said, let me make man in my image. But he said, let, uh, he said, let, us, make God, uh, let us make man in our image image. And so what he's saying is very, from the very beginning, there's this, this imagery of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit working together to create. The Father is speaking things into existence. The Spirit is present at creation. And we know in Colossians chapter 1, it says that all things were created by and for Jesus. And in John chapter 1, nothing was made apart from Jesus. All of the members of the Trinity were working together at the creation. And so here's what this means for us. We believe in a communal God. We believe in a God that doesn't just call us to live in community with one another, but that has eternally been existing in community with himself. It's awesome. And um, when I studied the Trinity this weekend, or this week, um, it was an amazing picture of community. Uh, It makes me long to be around that kind of community. So in the Trinity, what you have is you have this, this community that is without posturing. You guys know there's no trying to impress there's, there's no hiding, there's no deceit, there's no envy, there's no jealousy. It's a community that's marked by mutual love, mutual submission, um, um, a humility towards one another. The members of the Trinity are very distinct in their roles, and yet they have unity with one another. 
um, they show honor to one another. Um, the Spirit of God is saying, look at, look at Jesus Christ. See your sin for what it is and look at the Son of God. And the Spirit of God is saying, um, no, no, no. And the, uh, Jesus Christ is saying, no, no, no. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's the one that will empower you. He's the one that will be a good counselor. He's the one that will teach you how to pray. And the Father is saying, look at my son. This is my son whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus is looking at the Father saying, I do nothing apart from the Father. I don't do anything unless he tells me to do it. And so there's this mutual submission towards one another. And they exist eternally in community. So here's the question I want to ask. All of us have this desire to be loved, to be known, to live at peace with one another. For somebody to ask us our story. For someone to care about the things that have shaped us. Where did that desire come? Well, I want to track those desires all the way back upstream. I think they come because, one, there's a communal God that's made us in his image, which means that you were created for community. Christians, can I just say it really plainly? You don't do well in isolation. The American dream is like just buy a big ranch and hang out with no one. Can I tell you spiritually, that's just a horrible idea, okay? You're like, well, I can keep up with people on Facebook. You were designed for more than social media followers. Amen? Amen? Some of you guys are like, I just need my Bible and some Starbucks and other Christians. <laughs> right? And so um, now, now, although we were designed for community, how many of you guys have discovered that just getting around people doesn't fix things? Like, there's this thing that we experience in community called sin. And um, if you guys have ever been around people, you've experienced this. Families fight. Roommates get jealous and envious. Marriage couples, they've got arguments. Neighbors, um, they argue about property lines and who dog peed in what yard. I mean, it's a whole thing, is it not? So we don't do community really well by our nature. And that's because in Genesis chapter 3, what happens? Sin enters the world. And there was this perfect relationship with God and one another. When sin entered to the world and we rejected God, not only were we um, experienced a fractured relationship with the God that created us, but one another stuff got weird. Adam and Eve started hiding from each other. They started blaming each other for the sin. Um, Then a couple chapters later, their kids are literally murdering each other out of envy. And so why do we have racism? Why do we have um, prejudice? Why do we have the evils that exist within our community? Well, all of those are echoed because of the fall. You chase that back to when sin entered into the world. And here's what Jesus Christ did. This is the good news of the gospel. Jesus looked at a group of people who pushed away from him, rejected him, were fractured in their relationship with God and one another, and he said, I'm going to come and reconcile them back to the Father. I'm going to come and call them back into a redeemed family. And so Jesus comes, he lives, he dies, he raises from the grave, and we experience reconciliation both vertically in the God that made us and horizontally in our relationships with one another. Now, here's how you can know that. It's because in the New Testament, as the gospel gets preached, what happens? The church is given birth. The people of God. If you read your Bibles, you see the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then you see Acts, and the church begins to form and be shaped. And it's an amazing picture. Guys, we are the church. The church is a people. The church are people who have experienced the person of work of Jesus Christ in a real way. And we are the church. And what that means is we've got people in this room that, that believe very different things about a lot of issues. We parent our kids different. We educate our kids different. We've got people that live in different sides of the city that make it different amounts of money. We got a different colors and skin colors and age groups and economic backgrounds. But the thing that unifies the church is the personal work of Jesus Christ. Amen. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Who is building this community? Jesus Christ. Who's the hero of this thing? Jesus Christ. Who's the hope for our salvation? Jesus Christ. 
That's the church. That's me and you. We're not just a place with programs. We are a redeemed people. And here's the deal. The church is not just about a, a group of people that believe similar things theologically. It goes deeper than that. When you experience the person who work of Jesus Christ, yes, you get Jesus, but you get adopted into his redeemed family. Amen? How do you know this? Well, when Jesus teaches us to pray, what does he say? When you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God becomes our Father. He pursues the orphan. He draws us into a family. And you and I become brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a ministry of reconciliation. And it's a beautiful thing. Amen? Amen. Now, um, as we talk about community, yes, our community is a little messy. Um, If you've been around here, every family has its own dysfunctions. But um, at City Light, I want to just, I want to start to say, let me just pause, pause, because um, I, I want us to press in. How do we start to live out this idea of community in the context of this local church? The first thing is, in our community, I'm just going to say very simply that our community exist for the worship of Jesus Christ. We are a God-centered community. And so at City Light, we do a couple things. One, on, uh, we gather on Sunday mornings to worship Jesus. That's what this thing is about. Um, this is a worship gathering. This is a family reunion. This is a space where we can hang out as a people and talk about the God that reconciled to ourself, uh, reconciled us to himself and adopted us into a new family. That's what this thing is. Church, we're not in the entertainment business. We're not here to inspire you with some principles. We're not here to put up the funniest pastor so that you can, you can be entertained. We're here to say, this is the good news of the gospel, yeah. that you and I, broken, fractured people, have been made right with God and with one another because of the work of Jesus Christ. That's, right. that's good news. Yeah. And I think that that calls us to respond to some things. So that's why we sing. That's why we get expressive. That's why we worship. That's why we study the Bible, because we want to put ourselves underneath the authority of God's word, amen? So primarily on Sundays, we gather to make much of the name and fame of Jesus Christ. Additionally, we scatter into city groups. And um, one of the things that's happened at City Light is that we've become a bigger and bigger and bigger family. Four years ago, it was Gav and I and two other couples in a living room praying. It's a total of eight people. It was a mega church and a movement. Since then, the Lord has added to the number of those who which are being saved. And we celebrate that. But as we get bigger, we have to know that we've got to get smaller because Jesus, um, the Jesus, Jesus said the goal of this whole thing is to make healthy disciples. The goal of City Light Church was never bigger buildings and a larger crowd. The goal has always been to make disciples of Jesus and to multiply churches. And how do we do that? We do that in the context of community. Jesus did it in the context of community. You will be matured and built up in your faith in the context of community. And so we want to relentlessly call you Yes, you are free to hang out in this space and be a part of this, this gathering, but we want to we invite you to be a part of the church. We don't want you just to attend church. Do you see the difference? You can kind of come and hang out here and be a spectator, but we want to call you to experience the family of God. And the way that we do that at City Light Church is through city groups. It's where you can um, be in community with one another, where you can pray for people and be prayed for where you can share a meal with those people who want to encourage you in your faith, where you can feel the freedom to confess your sin and come out of hiding, where you can start to wrestle with Scripture and ask questions with one another. It's an amazing thing. And I'm in a city group. Gavin's in a city group. Our pastors are in city groups. We champion groups. We want to do all that we can to invite you to say, would you come? Would you be known? Would you allow yourself to walk with other people in the context of biblical community? And so um, um, I think that 
uh, one, as I, we look at our church, uh, I want to say this whole thing starts, before I give us a list of things to do, it starts with just understanding who God is. I want us to understand God is communal. He's created us in his image. He's called us to be a people about his community and the person and this whole church. Uh, it's not just about um, growing the City Light brand. It's about experiencing the family of God. Amen? Right. Amen. Okay, so point one is God exists in, commu- uh, God exists in communities. He redeems and creates community. But the, the second thing I want to show you is that God instructs his community. The Bible is filled with all kinds of beautiful pictures. And so I love Acts chapter 2. So that's one of my favorite pictures of community. You've got people eating together, studying the Bible together, um, praising and praying together, being generous towards the needs of one another. But the Bible does so much more than just give us pictures that describe community. It, it, it actually helps us just inform our community by saying, this is what it looks like to do life with one another. And so in the Bible, there's more than 50 verses just in the New Testament that say, this is how we as the family of God, as the redeemed people, as a community should interact with one another. And the thing that gets my attention is it is incredibly um, countercultural to maybe the values of community in our own world. And so let me just show you guys a few of these things. It says this, accept one another then just as Christ has accepted you. Is that not good news? Because Jesus Christ accepts us not when we are at our best, but oftentimes when we're at our very worst. And so people are going to limp in here with their problems and with their shame and with their guilt. And we don't say, hey, I hope you find a different community. We say, no, no, you're accepted because that's the very way that Jesus Christ accepted me. Amen? Serve one another in love. First of all, we are a served people. Jesus Christ laid down his life. He came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so then we serve one another. Outdo one another in showing honor, live in harmony with one another. What a picture of this communal God. Very different, yet in harmony and unity with one another. So the church should reflect that. Comfort and agree with one another. Bear one another's burdens. I love this because in the gospel of Jesus Christ, your problems aren't just your problems. They become my problems. Because Jesus looked at us and he didn't say, "Um, that's your problem. You've got a sin problem. Instead, he took ownership of that and said, let me move towards these people. So as a church, can we not reflect the glory of God and the gospel by bearing with one another? Forgive one another. Why? Because Jesus Christ has forgiven us. Encourage one another. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Show hospitality to one another. I don't have time to teach on all of these, but I want to highlight a couple. John 15, verse 12 says this. This is my command, that you love one another as I have loved you. The very heart of God is one of love. And he's saying the very thing that should mark my community is a posture of love. And if I had to make a list of things I, would, I love, I would say I love my wife. I love my kids. I love Chick-fil-A and the incredible free dipping sauces they provide. <laughs> Furthermore, I love beating Gavin Johnson at all things in life. Sports, athletics, arm wrestling, just really anything brings me great joy. Except spelling bees. That can be a real struggle. Um, <laughs> But we throw this word love around, you know, so easily, so flippantly that it becomes a little bit ambiguous. What does love actually mean? Well, that's why it's helpful. John is a helpful writer here. He says, love one another as I have loved you. That's the words of Jesus Christ. And and that's where the moment I just paused and said, this just got real. Because Jesus doesn't love us in a posture of passivity. He doesn't love us at a distance. He doesn't love us when it just is comfortable for him or convenient for him. He doesn't love us with good intentions. He loves us with acts of sacrifice. 
His love motivated him to give his life for you and I so that we could experience the community of God and reconciliation with our Father. That's what it takes. And then in, previously in John 13, 35, he says, they will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. Yeah. How, what's going to get the attention of the watching world? Is it our um, incredible social media game? Is it, is it going to be our websites? Is it going to be the, the fog machines and the laser shows that we put on in here? We don't have that, so just chill out before we get an email. <clears throat> what's going to get the attention of the watching world? Our theology statements, it's going to be the radical love that we show towards one another. When black, white, Hispanic, yellow, brown, any group comes together and says, I'm not going to fight for superiority, but instead I'm going to understand that Jesus Christ created us all in his image and that Jesus Christ is redeeming our diverse people, that he's about every tribe, tongue, and nation, and we start to show love and honor towards one another and champion that, does that not get the attention of the watching world? When we look to serve one another instead of just trying to be served by one another, that gets the attention of the watching world. When we encourage one another instead of just slander and talk trash about one another, does that not stand out? It's different. There's a aroma of Jesus Christ that happens in the local church. And God uses his bride to be a light in a very dark place. They will know you are Christians by the way you love one another. It's a good word. And let me just brag on you, church. I love that you are a people who understand that Jesus Christ has loved you and then you got busy loving one another. I love seeing the way that you celebrate a new mom and you throw her a baby shower. I love the way that it seems like every single weekend we have so many people moving. Every week. Can you sign a 10-year lease, please, for the glory of God? Okay? Or just buy new furniture every time. I don't care. But, it's, but you know what? You outpaced me in love. Can I just confess that? Because you guys are like, yes, I'll move you. Yes, I'll carry your 700-pound sectional of three flights of stairs because you wanted the view. Yes, I'll do that with joy. <laughs> See how you leverage your life? It's unbelievable. Some of you guys, you guys serve, you love, you listen, you pray with, you invite people to share a meal with you guys. It's been amazing to see the way that you get the gospel. And it doesn't just make you feel warm and fuzzy inside, but you get busy saying, I want to move towards people in our church and love them like Jesus Christ. It's blessed me. I want to show you guys the second thing about this community and this family is that we move towards the weak. We don't move away from the weak. So here's what's happening in our community. Um, I have a five-year-old who plays basketball. His name's Paxton, and um, he'll be an NBA star someday. I'm going to name that and claim that right now. Um, <laughs> joking. Uh, but in youth sports, what's happening right now is, uh, you know, they're doing this thing called select sports. Have you guys heard about this? So basically, at a very young age, if your kid's got talent, if he's fast, if he's gifted, uh, if he's strong, if he shows a little athletic ability, what's going to happen is a coach is going to invite him into a league that is for select players, for players that show a little bit more giftedness than the average kid. So if your kid is a little awkward, he'll be playing at the YMCA until he's 17, while the other kids are playing on the select teams, okay? Sorry, parents, just, it's, the struggle is real, but there's intramurals for everyone, okay, so everybody can play. So it is what it is. It's okay. Not, okay. So, um, so what's happening, though, is this whole idea that the strong kids, they're all going to team up together. And the ordinary or the JV or the little bit slower, they're all going to be pushed to the side over here. And we do this in our education system. We got the AP classes, advanced placement, and then we got classes for everybody else. You're smart. Listen, you're going to take a class called ancient literature. A little bit dull, you're going to take a class called reading, Okay. 
I took general mathematics in college to tell you which group I took, okay? You're taking calculus? Cool. What are you taking? Numbers. It's called numbers. Fantastic. (laughs) We're going to try to get to one in a hundred right now. (laughs) Now, All right. So, so fun. How much joy you get laughing at my pain. I just, I think you enjoy Jesus and that I struggle. Okay. So, so, okay. So, all that to say is the kingdom of God's not like that. Let me show you guys. Please open up Romans 15, verse 1. Look at this verse. It says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and to not please ourselves. The kingdom of God is beautiful because there's no varsity in JV. The strong don't move away from the weak, the mature move towards the broken. Why? Because Jesus Christ moved towards us before we were anything. Before we were wise, before we were a somebody, before we understood how to walk in purity, before we knew how to read our Bibles, Jesus Christ moved towards us when we were all infants. Nobody comes into this family strong. Everybody comes into the family of God as a newborn baby. And guess what newborn babies do? They make a mess. And we need to love and move and pursue those people. And so if you're a mature Christian and you're saying, how do I do this? How do I not just spend my life hanging out with really mature people, talking about the needs of the broken people from a distance, saying we better pray for them? How do we actually get in proximity with them? One, I think you go back to the list of one another's. Show hospitality. Get those people who've got marriage problems or um, identity issues around your table. Listen to their story. Pray with them. Share a meal with them. Encourage them. Walk with them. I can tell stories about how this is happening in our church, and it is inspiring to see the older generation not just give themselves to their hobbies, but to say, I want to move towards those who are weak in Christ and help build them up. Amen? It's a beautiful picture of a multi-generational family. And so um, I think this needs to get personal for us because aren't we quick to forget that we were a hot mess like seven minutes ago? It's like, I'm a mature Christian. I know some verses, and my wife has liked me for at least seven days. Way to go. And... That happened like, yeah, it's been a process for us all. And uh, I've experienced this personally. I share this story every once in a while to illustrate this fact that, that we who are mature need to move towards those who are um, immature or needing to be, or we that are strong need to move towards the weak. And so um, when I was at Wayne State, I was a brand new Christian, 18 years old, had just come to know Christ. And guess what? I came messy, okay? Is this a safe place to confess that? I hope so. So, um, what happened is uh, I started to realize that the Holy Spirit was convicting me that my relationship with girls needed to change. It needed to look different, okay? And so I told God, God, I know I need to change this area of my life. I'm not going to be making out with non-Christian girls. I'm only going to be making out with Christian girls right now. Pray that you would help me to do that, Lord. The Lord was answering prayers. And, um, and so what happened is an older brother in Christ sat me down and said, hey, excited that you love Jesus now, but we got we to gotta work some stuff out. Um, this is how you honor Jesus Christ with your sexual purity. This is how you honor your sisters in Christ. This is how you show respect towards them. This is how Jesus has now called us to live and worship as a community, and it was helpful. Can I say that that conversation was just helpful? I didn't know what I didn't know, and uh, I needed to be sat down and helped brought along, and so Church, I want that to be the posture of our whole church. Amen? If you're in the context of a city group, would you not just hang out with the cool kids, but would you move towards the new folks that maybe need to be built up? If you're part of a student ministry 
And would you continue to move towards those kids in our ministry that need to be grown up in the faith? Don't say, yeah, they're insecure 16-year-olds. That's because you are an insecure 16-year-old. Do we not need to move towards those in the body of Christ? One of the ways that we do this at City Light is that um, every single one of our elders, every single one of our pastors is actively leading a city group. Um, we're not just all hanging out together as one big holy huddle saying, man, this is the most deep Bible study we've ever had. We've got seven people who know how to read Greek in here, and this is fantastic. No, what we're saying is, no, God, help us to move towards folks in our church um, that need to be encouraged, that need to learn how to read their Bible, that need to walk with somebody who's been a Christian more than five minutes. And so I pray that um, we would continue to have that posture in our church. And so uh, the, second, uh, the second point I wanted to make was that God informs his community. The last thing I want to show you guys is that God equips his community. God equips his community. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this um, phenomenon that's happening in our society, but people are not leaving the home until later and later in life. Uh, a couple generations ago, people were out at like 17. Uh, a few years ago, people started to leave the house at 22. Now people are starting to leave the home at like 39, okay? And so uh, this is not a real healthy dynamic if my kids are still living in my basement at 39 years old and I'm doing their dishes and I'm doing their laundry, there's a significant problem with that equation, is there not? Um, some of you guys are actually 39 living with your parents. That's not why you're not saying amen. We need to talk about that off stage, okay? But but there's, there's really a failure to launch. There's a failure to mature. There, there's, there's a failure to start to contribute. We all know this, that when people mature, they start to contribute. They start to serve. They start to stand up and get busy making life not just about themselves. And just like we see that in a, a typical biological family, we see that reality in this family. And a healthy church is not one with a few paid professionals that entertain and do the whole work of all the ministry. No, A healthy church is one where the whole body is saying, God, you've given me gifts. God, you filled me with your spirit. God, would you make me about your people? God, would you use whatever I have for your glory and for the good of your family? Amen? And so let me just show you guys how we get into this. Um, 1 Peter 4, verse 10 says this, As each has received a gift. Stop. Each of us has received a gift. Amen? Some of you guys have believed this lie that God can't use me. I'm not the preacher. I'm not the teacher. I don't have the advanced degrees. I'm not that guy. But God has given you a gift, church. Your gift might be making casseroles to the glory of God. And I can tell you, thank you, King Jesus, for that gift. It sustained me in a really hard season. Your gift might be encouraging. How many of us don't need to be told, Jesus Christ is working in your life and I see evidence of it? Your your gift might be mercy. Do you know there's people in our church that are struggling that need you to love them and be patient with them? An act of mercy is a good gift. Some of you guys teach the word and it is helpful that you are in the context of city groups and and our our kids' ministries and our student ministries and you're helping people understand the character of who Jesus Christ is through the scriptures. Some of you guys have gifts of generosity and administration and leadership and the call isn't for you just to receive your gift, but he's gonna tell you what to do with it next. Let me show you this. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. What I oftentimes get this question is, Chris, um, I'm just trying to figure out how God wired me. I went online and I, I took nine different tests that will help me understand my spiritual gift test. You know, I got this report and it said no gifts. Well, the, the lie, it lied. That was just my report. But, um, but the goal is not just to identify what is your spiritual gift. The goal is that you would begin to exercise that gift for the good of the body of Christ. 
that we would start to steward the things that God has entrusted us with for the good of others. One of the ways that we say this at City Light is that we believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, it starts to change and transforms us. It moves us from spiritual consumers into joyful contributors. And I've seen this, where people come and they, they kind of put their toe in the water, they check things out, they eat some donuts, they hang out in the pews, and they leave. And then Jesus Christ begins to empower them and embolden them, and then they say, God, what can I do? I love what you're doing, and I love your people, and you've equipped me, and I want to be about your family. And for some of you guys, it's been incredible. Can I just brag on you? Like, there's people here that were at the church before I was. They were here at 5 a.m. setting up that coffee machine, rolling out donuts. There are people here setting up these chairs, saying, God, I don't have a million, million teaching gifts, but you know what I can do? I can set up chairs. I can serve coffee. There's folks that get in this room, and they're going to stay here until 2 o'clock because after everybody leaves, they're going to say, God, would you help me to serve humbly? I'm going to wash the toilets and mop the floor. There's folks right now that are saying, I'm not just going to hang out in the pews and and hear the word of God. I'm going to go and disciple kids. I'm going to make disciples in the context of the City Light Kids ministry. And they're saying, I got a gift of loving, serving, teaching, so I'm going to be about making disciples in that way. Can I say, I want to brag on you guys. This thing is healthy, not because you've got a couple pastors that are awesome. This thing is healthy because the people of God are taking ownership of the family of God. Um, And the reason I can say that with great clarity is last week, you guys weren't here, but at the 11 o'clock, I made, well, actually you were, I made a slide that talked about Waverly, and I put a picture of Gavin Johnson on it. And, and what was really embarrassing is the fact that I literally misspelled the word Waverly, okay? <laughs> Gavin pulled me aside later and publicly, well, actually he didn't pull me aside, that would have been loving. Instead, he publicly rebuked me at the 11 o'clock and said, dude, it doesn't even have an E at the end, what are you doing, okay? And so... Uh, we're going to work that out. Now, before you judge me as the weak pastor on staff, understand that Gavin tried to jump off a rope swing, a, ro- a rope swing, and he fractured his foot into like 97 pieces. When you can't figure out falling, that's a problem, okay? So this is not about the bright and the beautiful. This is about the family of God working together for his glory in our city. Amen? All right. Um, Some of you guys, I want to just call in to this idea that we've been called to serve one another. So yes, um, I don't want to just say this is biblical truth. I want to say, one, if you're serving, thank you. If you're not serving, I want to call you to action today. Um, Gavin's going to talk about some opportunities. But one of the unique opportunities in our church is that Jesus Christ has been good to us. We have lots and lots and lots of little kids. And kids are not a barrier to this family. They are a blessing to this family. Um, We need to start to see our kids as the Bible calls our kids They aren't a hindrance to our personal comforts. They are a gift from God. And uh, God uses these kids to shape us in ways and to teach us about some childlike faith. And so um, as that's part of our church's story, I want to let you guys know that if you're saying, God, I want to just start serving, um, would you consider serving in City Light Kids? I prayed about it. It is the Lord's will for your life, actually, this week, okay? Somebody said amen. Thank you. Thank you. That was a confirmation from the Spirit of God. Thank you for that. But really, it does make an absolute difference. These kids, many of them haven't trusted in Christ yet, are still trying to figure out how do I pray, who is Jesus, what is my identity, and what a great gift that we get to go out there and hang out with them and spend time with them and tell them how Jesus Christ has worked in our lives. Last week, I worked at the City Light Kids. Um, I got fired after one week, but I tried, and um, I got to uh, do the check-in service. And I can just tell you how much fun that was to be able to see people coming to the church for the very first time and they're trying to make sense of what God's doing here and just to be a welcoming face and a friendly smile. Um, 
None of them came back this week, but um, it was fun for me. So uh, it was fun for me. Hey, uh, City Light, let me close with this. Let me close with this. I just think um, we have a tremendous joy of being called into the family of God. I hope that you don't see City Light Church or any other church in this city as just a place where you can go and listen to some music and be a part of some programs or find some new friends. I hope that you understand that we as a people have been adopted into Jesus's family. It's an eternal family. We're going to see our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're going to do what we're doing right here in community in heaven for all of eternity. We're going to hear Jesus speak. We're going to sing songs about King Jesus, and we're going to live as a redeemed family in community with God. Amen. And uh, so here at City Light, as we close, I just want to say, what would it look like for you? What would it look like for you to start to prioritize your life in the way that reflects biblical values? To say, I'm not going to make excuses about not being in community. I'm not too busy. You make time for lots of other things. But to say, God has made me a part of this family. Would you help me to, to experience that in practical rhythms? Help me to make time to be around the week. Help me to put me in proximity to people so that I can share my story and walk in community with one another. Um, yes, you're free to hang out here on Sunday morning, but we are going to relentlessly call you to move towards people because we believe it's for um, the good of the body and for your own growth. Amen? Um, last thing I want to say is that a church. I think God is writing an amazing story, and God has been gracious to expand our family. But I just want to pray right now that for, all, uh, for as long as this church exists, that our song wouldn't just be marching orders to how we start to live as a community, but really the song that this church would sing is thank you, King Jesus. Thank you, King Jesus. Thank you for looking at an orphaned people. Thank you for rescuing us. Let's pray right now. Jesus, I wanna say thank you for the way that you've loved us. Thank you for the way that you came to seek and save us. Thank you for the way that you've reconciled us in our relationship with you and the way that you've called us into a family. In this room, I've got people I look up to, people that are like spiritual mothers and fathers. I've got crazy uncles and aunts. I've got brothers and sisters. God, this place is amazing. It's a picture of your redeemed family. And I want to say thank you for it. These people are messy and so am I, but it's a gift to limp to the finish line with these folks. So God, thank you for this group. Thank you that you've put a song in our hearts that sings Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for seeking and saving. Thank you for doing the work. And I pray right now for this community that we wouldn't just study what the Bible has to say about it, but God, we would embrace the fact that we are family members. God, would we actually start to love each other? Help us, Lord. It doesn't come natural. We naturally move away. We naturally are skeptical. We naturally look to take. But God, reorient the posture of our hearts in such a way that we look to lay down our lives for the good of our brothers and sisters. For all of the differences in this place, racial differences, economic differences, God, would you help us to look past those and see that you are the one true God that reconciles us all. We love you, Lord. We are your people and you are our God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.